Hello and welcome to the Crossroads Church Podcast, where we desire to see a world transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. If you have a story to share about how God is working in your life, you can send a message to info at mycrossroads.com. Now, let's get our hearts and minds ready for a powerful message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody, and good morning to those who are watching online around the country and around the world. We are really, really, really glad that you are part of the Crossroads family. Uh, Let me ask you the question, what drives you? What is it that you wake up for? What is it that you, what's your, what's your purpose? What's your goal? What's, what is it that, why do you do what you do? Uh, And for, for Mick, it was the career, it was the, it was the job. It can be different things, can it? It can be that we we do that for education drives us, a drive to 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 get ahead drives us, a, a drive to find a mate drives us. Our uh, our addictions can drive us. Our uh, our emotions can drive us. What drives you? Because something's driving you. Something gets you motivated. Something gets you you going. What is it? And may I suggest this: that if it is not the purpose that God created you and put you on this earth for. Um, you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss a whole lot of life, and you're gonna miss even why why you're on this on this earth. We're gonna take a look at just some of the things. We're kind of paving the way for next week, and don't miss next week. It to me, it really felt like as I was preparing that one of the one of the most impactful messages I've ever prepared in my life, and I truly truly mean that. We're kind of preparing the way this uh, this week for that. But really, what are some of the things that drive us as human beings? And one of the things can be can be guilt. Maybe some of you, you grew up in a, uh, maybe a religious background that that was just poured on you. I know, you know, several people have told me that, that they grew up in that. And maybe just you're driven by, by guilt for whatever thing. Maybe something happened to you that you did something in your life. You made a mistake or maybe many mistakes. And, and, and here's something that I found out. A lot of times when people are driven by, by guilt, they will sabotage their own life. You know what I mean? I mean, they can have, because they don't, they don't believe they deserve it. They don't believe that, that they receive the blessings of God and they'll actually sabotage a great relationship or sabotage a marriage or sabotage a family or sabotage a career because they really don't feel like they, are, they deserve that and they somehow find a way to destroy because they don't believe that they're, that they're worthy of that. And, you know, the, I think you know, Jesus died so that we could be freed from our guilt, not so that we could be driven by our guilt. And Jesus said this. He said that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us, don't miss the, word, the next couple words, from all unrighteousness. Not some of the unrighteousness, not part of that, from all unrighteousness. And, and let me ask you this. If you had a child that, that, that they blew it, I mean, they blew it. Maybe they blew it really, really bad. But they came up to you and said, said, Mom, Dad, man, forgive me. I mean, I blew it. I screwed up. I am so sorry. Let me ask you this. If you saw them wallowing that and just wallowing it and, and, and never getting over that, and that shadow of whatever they did just, just continued to be over their life and over their life and over their life, would that bring you joy or would that bring you sadness? Let me ask you this. If they saw, if they came up and you saw them learning from their mistake and going on with life and and letting letting that dissipate and going on and be a better person for it, would that make you happy or sad? Why do we believe sometimes, some of us believe that God loves it when we wallow in our guilt and we wallow in our shame? Jesus Christ set us free from, uh, from that. And I love one of the verses in Psalm 32. It says this, What happiness! 
for those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joys when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have confessed their sin to God and have cleared their record. God doesn't, does not call us to, be, to wallow in our guilt. He calls us to be freed from our guilt, and that's why he died on a cross. Another thing is anger, resentment, and unforgiveness. There are people who are absolutely driven by those things. You know, really, all you have to do is look at, at cable news, and you see people who are really, really, really angry, and it seems to be like they're driven by their, their anger. Maybe you're driven by your hurt. Maybe somebody did something to you uh, at, a, at a time, and you still live in that. You still live in that, even though, even though by living in that, you are giving them the hammer to keep hitting you over the head and hitting you over the head and hurting you and hurting you and hurting you. You're giving them that opportunity every time. But we allow it, because we can do one of two things with our pain and with our hurt. We can either rehearse it and rehash it and bring it up again and again and again. And who's the only person that's going to hurt? That's going to hurt us. I think one of the greatest definitions of unforgiveness I've ever heard is it's like, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? I mean, it's something that destroys us, not the other, not the other person. But the other thing we can do is release it. We can give it to God. We can say, God, I don't want to go in this anymore. I don't want to be driven by my hurt. I don't want to be driven by my past. I don't want to be driven by my mistakes. I don't want to be driven by that anymore. I want to be led by, by, by you. And listen to Job. He said, to worry yourself to death, man, with resentment would be a foolish, senseless thing to do. And yet people do it all the, all the time. Another thing would be there are people who are driven by their fears. This is a big one, isn't it? I mean, people are driven by their fears. Let me ask you this. If you were born in 1492, what would you believe about the world? That it was, that it was flat. Now think of this. So, so if you were a, a, an explorer, if you were a sailor in those days, uh, how close would you stay to the shore? You'd stay right near the shore, right? I mean, this may be here. You, you're going just as close to the, the shore as you possibly could. And there's this incredible world for you to explore. There's this incredible world of bounty for you to experience, and yet you're too afraid to do it. You stay so close to shore. And isn't that true of so many people, and it may be true of you, that you're so afraid of something, whatever it is, afraid of failure, afraid of uh, I don't know what it is. But a, but a fear that has kept you from being everything God wants you to be. It has kept you close to shore that there's people who are driven by their, their fears so they can't go into the future that God has for, for them. Another thing would be from materialism. And really that would, what, uh, what Mick was saying was, uh, you know, drives so many, so many people. You know, I, I heard this. I saw a statistic that, uh, or the, that the other day that they were asked people who were graduated from college, who were graduating, what is the number one goal of their life as they go away from college? Now, I would hope, can you imagine if it was to find God's, to know God's purpose for my life and to live out that purpose? Would that not be amazing for lives? Would that not be amazing for our culture? Would that not be amazing for families if that was the number one goal? What do you think the number one goal is? To make a lot of what? Money. And I'm not getting on that gener this generation because that was the exact same thing that has been done for the last 40 years. That has been the answer that has been, been given. 
And again, so what, you know? I mean, what happens when we do that? And by the way, you don't have to be rich to be materialistic. You can be rich and not be materialistic at all. I've known people like that. And I have people that very, have very little money that are very materialistic. It doesn't, it's not a matter of how much money we have. It's a matter of our mindset that we, that we do with that. Of, is that driving us? Is that the thing that is leading us in, uh, in, in life? Listen to what Solomon, who was the richest person who ever lived, and especially proportionally, that ever lived on this face of this earth. And he said, this better is one hand with tranquility than two hands with toil and chasing the wind isn't that true and think of this i remember i grew up in colorado and uh, i would love to go up about this time of year and watch the you know look at the elk and the elk would be mating uh, and the elks would be the male elk would be bugling, and they'd be making this incredible these incredible sounds, and 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 I'd watch as these as these herds and see these uh, these elk as they bugle and gather their gather their harem, is what they would be doing. And I remember one time I saw an elk that had sixty nine cow, uh, cows in in his harem. I mean, man, this is the Mac Daddy guy, right? And this guy made the Hartford commercial, you know, elk look like nothing. This guy was amazing. He was huge. He was incredible. But as I'm watching him, all he did, he spent every moment just either keeping the young bucks out or trying to keep the, the ladies in to his, to his harem. And he was miserable. At least he looked miserable. I mean, that's all he did, all he did, all he did. I heard another elk bugle, heard that out in the distance. So we went to, to watch that elk. And that elk, all he did, he had eight in his harem. And all he did was eat and love, baby, eat and love. That's all he was doing. And I thought, man, there's a message here, you know. I mean, more is not always better. It's, uh, it's, if it's not with tranquility, if it's not with enjoyment, why have all the, uh, all the other stuff? And Solomon also said this, whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with, uh, with it. J.D. Rockefeller was the first billionaire that ever, that ever lived. And, uh, and that was in the 1920s and stuff. So, I mean, it was, they, they say proportionally that was somebody worth about $100 billion uh, to, today, if you can imagine that. And, and they asked him this question, how much is finally going to make you happy? I mean, you've got this, how much is finally going to make you happy? And he gave a, a famous response. He said, just $1 more, just $1 more. You know, I've been with a lot of people who are on death's door. I mean, they're about to die uh, with, with moments away. I've been with a lot of people who are, who are minutes away or hours away. I've been with people who are days away, and they know it. And I've never, ever, 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 ever heard one person talk about money, ever, ever. I've heard them talk about faith a whole lot, and I've heard them talk about relationships a whole lot. And if that's what's the most important thing when life comes down to life, then why shouldn't it come down to, to what life is about even, even now? And here's another one. Uh, our need for approval is a, is a big one. These people are, are driven by uh, the, the, the expectations of others, the applause of others, the, you know, the, the attaboys, the attagirls of, uh, of life. And here's one thing I guarantee you, you can have a miserable life. Uh, we can have a miserable life if we are living for the expectations of others or the applause or the approval of others. Because, uh, because here's the, the fact is we're never going to make everybody happy, Right? We never, ever going to make everybody happy. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect one, never, ever, ever made everybody happy. In fact, there were a whole lot of people that were unhappy every time he did everything. So what chance do we have if that's our expectation to try to make everybody happy? You know what Jesus did is he lived his life to an audience of one, 
instead of a lot of audience of, uh, of everybody. And here's the thing, that if, if there are people who maybe you're living to your mom, trying to live up to your mom's expectation for you, and you've never done it. And one thing, I don't know your mom, but I know one thing about you and about your mom is you're never gonna live up to her expectations because if you could, you'd have done it by now, right? And there's some people who you're trying to get an approval by your dad and, and maybe a, 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 you know, a, a, I'm proud of you or affection or attention that you should have had from, from a, a dad that wasn't doing that. And, and again, uh, the chances are it would have happened by, by now. That it reminds me of the, of the one guy that, uh, that I heard and it just it grabbed my heart. He said this, that, that he one time was a straight C student in school. And his dad said, you know what, I'm really disappointed with you. If you really applied yourself, you'd be able to make Bs. You'd be able to do that. So he applied himself. And guess what? He came home with all Bs one time. And he's thinking, he's gonna, man, his dad's going to be so proud of him. And he shows that. And his, his dad said, well, obviously, if you really applied yourself, you could, you could make As. So he made some A's and some B's and everything and showed him and said, well, you know, if you really applied yourself, obviously you could make all A's. And so he gave up everything, gave up sports, gave up everything else, and he applied himself to one thing, it's making straight A's. And he came home with the, with the report card with straight A's, and he thought, finally, 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 Dad is now going to be proud of me. And he said his dad looked at him and he said, well, it just shows that the teachers in those schools give A's too easily. And you're thinking, again... Who are we doing everything for? If we're not doing everything, if we're doing something for the expectations or the approval of everybody else except for God, we're going to let everybody down and we're going to let ourselves down. Why are we doing what we, uh, what we do? Another one is keeping up with the Joneses. Listen to what Solomon says. Again, he says, And I saw all that labor and all achievement spring from man and women's envy of each other. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the, the wind. He's saying if we're trying to keep up, and there are people who try to keep up with everything else, right? The fashions of everybody else, what everybody else is driving, what everybody else is wearing, what everybody else is, you know, the house, the, you know, how, how popular everybody else is and everything. We're trying to, we're, we're comparing ourselves to everybody else, and we're miserable because of it. And, and he said it's like chasing the wind. You're never going to get there. No matter when you get to one place, it's going to go further and go somewhere else. It's a dead-end street. And I want to preach a whole sermon on this sometime, but, but here's the reason. Here's the reason is because there's always going to be somebody more-er, right? There's always going to be somebody rich-er. There's always going to be somebody more popular. There's going to be always somebody cute-er. There's always going to be somebody more athletic-er, right? Whatever it is, there's always going to be an er in, in there. So again, if we're trying to keep up with our, the Joneses, we're going to make ourselves extremely, extremely uh, frustrated. And uh, go back to the one we just read. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So what is it? What's some of the, here's some of the benefits that we're going to be talking about that, uh, of, of living a life that is, on, that is on purpose, a God-given purpose. And the first one is knowing your purpose means, uh, gives meaning to your, to your life. You know, I, I was talking to several young adults at different places, different times, and it seems like several of them said there's, there's just this frustration inside their heart, this discouragement, this disappointment of that, that they don't know why they're on the, even on this earth. And maybe it can be summed up for with this one person in his 20s, what he wrote. And he said, I feel like a failure because I'm struggling to become something I don't even know what it is. All I know how to do is get by. Someday, if I discover my purpose... I'll feel like I'm beginning to live. 
Maybe that's for a lot of people that you can relate to that, and one of, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this, uh, this series. Maybe it's like Isaiah said. He said, but I, but I said, I have labored to no purpose. I've spent my strength in, uh, in vain. And maybe you feel like this guy, this hamster up here. And there's a lot of people that uh, they go, they go, they go, they go, and they're getting nowhere. And really, the only person that gets anywhere is when they're kind of doing this thing and over the top, and there you go. But if we don't have a purpose, all we're doing is going to be a hamster in a wheel, and we're getting a lot of activity. You're wearing yourself out and really going nowhere of the things that really matter in, uh, in life. Another thing is knowing your purpose simplifies your life. Let me ask you this. How many hikers do we have? I love hiking, several people in here. One, th- one thing, if you know where you're going, it simplifies, it simplifies the hike, doesn't it? Maybe you're going, say you're going to a waterfall, that what you want to do is you want to go to this beautiful waterfall, and that's the goal, and you only have an afternoon to do it. That's the goal of where you're going to go at hiking that, that day. You're excited about it. It's beautiful. You've heard amazing things about it. Well, here's what happens. You go, in, you go down the trail, and the first thing you come to is a fork in the road, a crossroads, right? You come to there, and, and one way says to down to this meadow, and the other goes to the falls. Which one are you going to choose? You go to falls, Right? And then you come to another one. It says, go down to to this place or go to the falls. Which one are you going to do? You're going to go to the falls. You're going to keep going every fork in the road. It makes the decision easy because you've already decided what your purpose is. Your purpose is to go here. Your purpose is to go to this place. And it makes life easier when you already know the purpose. of. And we're going to be taking a look at those. Here's why I'm, I'm on this earth. And one of the ones we took, at la- took a look at last week. We were created to, to be loved by God and to love God. And there's going to be some other things that we look at. If you know that's your purpose, every time you come to a decision, it'll be an easier decision decision that you'll be able to say no to some of the things you say yes to right now because you're clarifying the decision you'll be able to say yes to those things and and a lot of times what we are right now we are driven by pressure right we are driven by the urgent instead of what our purpose is and what the goal is in life and this starts making life and clarifying life and making it a little uh, making it easier another thing is is it uh, will help us clarify our our decision here's a fact of life you can't do everything, and I can't do everything. And that's actually a good thing to come to that realization, is you don't have the time, you don't have the energy, and you don't have the resources to do everything that you, that you want to do. But here's the good news. The God has given you, will give you, and has given you everything you need to do what he wants you to do. All the time, all the resources, all the anything, he is, he'll give you that. Uh, it's just whether, you know, which one we're doing. We're trying to do it for everything else or we're doing for what God gave us to. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, this is moments before his death, in John chapter 17, verse 4, he said, he said this, I have accomplished everything the Father has sent me to accomplish. And I thought, you know, he said he fulfilled his purpose that the, that the Father put him on this earth for. And I thought, I want to be able to do that. I don't know about you. I want to be able to say that at the end of my life. I want you to be able to say that. Everybody that's listening to my voice, I want you to be able to say at the end of your life that, to truly know that you, were, that you have done what, what the, the Father put you on this, on this earth for. How in the world was he able to say that? He lived 33 years. That's all he lived. He only ministered for three years. How in the world was he able to accomplish everything he was created to, uh, to accomplish? And I think there's a verse that says, he says, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his, his work. I mean, his, he had a purpose. He had a vision. He had a goal. He was, his, he, his life was about fulfilling the mission that God had put him on this earth for. Now, understand this. 
he enjoyed life. I mean, he absolutely loved life. He was not a workaholic in any way. We see him at, at weddings. We see him hanging out and chilling with the, with the disciples. We see him doing fun stuff. We see, I mean, he was, he was a, you know, I mean, it's, he was even a party animal is what he was accused of, of being by many, by many people. And think of that. He enjoyed life, but he was about a purpose. And, that can, and so we can do the same thing. We can enjoy life and still be about the purpose that God created us uh, on this earth to be a part of. Another thing is knowing our, uh, our purpose focuses our life. Henry David Thoreau said this. He said, most people live lives of quiet desperation. Isn't that painful? And isn't that true when you look at it, when you think about that? But I really believe in our culture, we could say something else. We could say that, 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 our, that, that most of us live lives of mindless distraction. Isn't that true? I mean, think of it. I saw this statistic the other day. The average person in our country spends 11 hours per day in media, either reading, watching, relating to, something in that, responding to in some way, 11 hours a day. That is up from nine hours and 32 minutes just four years ago. And I'm not saying, you know, media is bad or anything like that. It can be great and it can be, you know, a relaxation things. But man, can you imagine if we just rescued some of that time, that we started using that and using it for the purposes that God created us instead of just a mindless distraction? Because here's one thing we know. Parents, any parent in here, you know what you can do. You don't have to, to, to have your kids. All you have to do is distract them to get them to, to not do what you, you don't want them to do right. Just distract them. Here's some keys. Look at the puppy. Look at anything. Just distract them. Satan, I'll tell you something about Satan. He does not want you fulfilling God's mission for your life. The last thing he wants is for you to fulfill the purpose of why you were created and why you were put on this earth. And what he will do, and he is a genius at it, and all we have to do is look, he will get us so distracted because a distracted Christian is a harmless Christian. But a Christian that is focused, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. And, you know, you think about, uh, about light. Just diffused light it has, has very little impact. But if, but if you focus that light... It can have a strong impact. Let me, I'm going to ask the, the guys a question. Guys, how many of you ever taken a, a magnifying glass and you burn a piece of paper with it, burnt something with it? All right, here's another. Guys, how many of you ever burnt ants? Go ahead. Come on. This is confession, good for the soul. And, and I mean, think of that because it's a, I mean, that when it is, when it is focused, it is so amazingly powerful. I remember my dad. My dad was, uh, worked for the National Bureau of Standards, and he, and he worked with some of the first lasers. And I remember him showing me what a focused light could do and how it could break through even, even metal, this focused, this focused light. And you ever look at, here's something, don't miss this, that the, the people who've had the biggest impact on this world, they're focused people, Right? I mean, they're focused people. You take a look at, uh, I mean, even take a look at somebody like M Mother Teresa. There wasn't anything, you look at her, she wasn't impressive. She wasn't this impressive speaker. There wasn't, she was like four foot nothing, right? But here's what she was, is she was a purpose. She had a purpose. She lived every day for why God created her, to, to make a difference with hurting people and with the lepers and with the poor and everything. You take a look at, uh, at, at Paul. Uh, that, that Paul was, uh, had probably the biggest impact of any person that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. Um, he, the, he evangelized a whole lot of the world in those days. He wrote half the, half the New Testament. Why was he able to do so much in a, in a life? Really just, again, a few years of ministry. And I think it was because of this. He said these words. One thing I do, one thing I do, 
Forgetting what is behind, some of us need to do that. And straining towards what is ahead, some of us need to do that. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Many of us couldn't say this one thing I do. Most of us could say these hundred things we dabble with, right? What would happen if we got focused and we woke up every day with that purpose to live God's, uh, God's purpose? You know, my dad had, uh, uh, after my mom died, he made a vineyard and had, you know, a little, little vineyard and it was, it was cute. And, and the first year, man, it had a lot of fruit. The next year, it had almost no fruit. It had leaves everywhere, everywhere. And there was a friend of his that, that, uh, that did vineyards, and that's what he did. And he, and he came to us and said, hey, can you help us out? And the guy said, let me ask you this question. Do you want leaves or do you want fruit? And my dad said, I want fruit. And he said, then you're going to think I'm destroying your vineyard. And he cut it back to a, all the vines to a fist. That's all it looked like. And I looked at my dad, and I said, man, he's killed it. He's killed that thing. And the next year, fruit everywhere. But see, the thing is, a lot of times what we do is we have so, much, so many leaves in our life that we don't have much fruit. And maybe sometimes we need to say no to some things so we can say yes to the most important things in, uh, in life and focus on, focus on those. And that's a, another thing is, is knowing your purpose in life gives you motivation. When I would do triathlons, that motivation, knowing I was going to be doing that, it gave a purpose to every mile. It gave a purpose to every lap. It gave a purpose to something. Just having that, just like a, a, a team, if they have a purpose, if they have a goal, hey, we're going to win the conference championship. If there's that goal there, they, then every practice has a purpose. Every time they get together, there's a there, there's a, a, a purpose. And do you have a purpose for getting? Because that's one thing. When you have a purpose in life, you wake up. And, it's, and life is different. Every day has a meaning. Every day has a purpose. Every day has a reason for getting up and get out of bed because God's got a purpose for you that day. And it's a fulfillment of an ultimate purpose that he has for, uh, for you. And finally, knowing your purpose prepares you for, for eternity. You know, James Dobson, was, uh, who did the focus on the family, he was, uh, his goal at one time in life was to, was to, to be the, the tennis champion of his school, and he got there. And there's this big old trophy in a trophy case, and he was so proud of it when he looked on there. Well, a few years later, he gets it in the mail, and he said, when they were doing the renovations, I found this in the trash can. And he, said, and he said at that time he realized that, you know, so many of the things that he went for and so many of the trophies that he had in life are just going to go by the wayside. And he decided to dedicate his life to something that would be there for eternity. You know, someday we're going we're gonna to stand before God, every one of us, and we're going to give an account of our life. There's going to be an audit of our life. And, and, there's, and, and so what are, you know, the things, the only things that are going to matter then are what we did with Jesus Christ and what we did for Jesus Christ with the things that God has given us to make a difference and to fulfill this, uh, this purpose. And there's one thing that, one verse that to me is an amazing epitaph. Um, and it's uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 36. And God says this about David. He says, David served God's purpose in his own generation. That's a pretty darn good epitaph. And when you love that one, that's one I want, I want to hear. That's one I want on my, on my tomb, that I served God's purpose for my generation. And you've got a different purpose than I do. I mean, we all have got the same purposes and things. I mean, there's things, again, we're going to be talking about. But I pray that at the end of our life, every single person who is hearing the sound of my voice right now, that, that, that what's said about us is put your name there 
served God's purpose in this generation. Amen? If we could pray. God, thank you that, you, uh, that we live a life on, uh, on purpose. Thank you, God, that you've given us a purpose to do. And God, forgive us when we have um, made it about things that really aren't important. And God, I pray for every person right now that's, that's driven by guilt. That right now, they come to repentance in you and you set them free through your amazing grace and forgiveness. God, for, for those, whatever it is that is driving us, if it's anything but you, we want to be led by the Spirit of God and not be driven by anything else. We want that as individuals. We want that as, as families. We want that as a church. So God, help us be led by you instead of driven. And all God's people said, amen. The altar is open. There's going to be people down here who want to, to pray for you, no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through. The altar is open. Thank you so much for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you would like to listen to past Crossroads Church Podcast, you can go to mycrossroads.co slash podcast. Once again, thanks for listening.